Okay, well, to kick things off, I just have to say how happy I am to have my traditional glass of bourbon and cider here with me. Um, I feel like I was deprived of it, uh, not being home over the past you know, few times we recorded. But uh, this week, I went to pick up our farmer CSA, and they even had a whole jug of apple cider waiting for me. I was so happy. That's that's crazy. That's because that's what happened mine like two or three weeks ago. We they, gave, they had a jug of apple cider for us, and that's what I was using for my mixed drink, my uh, cider and bourbon, like two I, weeks ago or last week. Yeah, it's delicious. It's you know, it feels like fall to me. And um, I had never, I've never been to apple orchards before living in the Northeast. Like it's mm-hmm. a thing here to go pick apples. Yeah, it's not it's something a, we did growing up. I, I did, it's not something I did growing up on the West Coast. I don't know if it's something you ever did. Um, no, nah, I never did that. But it, it does feel like such a fun seasonal seasonal experience. So uh, cheers to that. I'm really happy to have yeah. it back. I'm happy um, for you too. I guess we're kicking it off this way first in our in our preview. So what are you what are you drinking this week? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm kind of lame. I, I actually only have a chai tea right now because I'm I'm trying to sneak in a um, a Peloton exercise uh, class right after this. I was trying to do it earlier, and then as you know, I it's been pretty challenging trying to work from home and get other things done while taking care of a three month old. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hear you. I'm doing that. So we're ordering it, take out. I was going to cook. I usually cook dinner too, and I'm not doing that. So anyway, exercising, take out uh, Grubhub delivery. And that's why I have chai. Cause I'm going to have a drink later when I watch the world series. I hope <laughs> that's fair. Cheers to that. Cheers. Okay. Should uh, we start the real thing? Yeah. 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 Let's, I guess let's do our show. Okay. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show, American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. What's up, everyone? What's up, Tyler? Hey, everybody. It is October 21st as we record. This will drop tomorrow, and man, we are a little less, a little more than a week off from Halloween. How exciting. Uh, It feels like we're finally in the thrust of fall. I don't know how it is in... Uh, out there where you live, but here in New England, all the leaves have changed. Um, we went leaf peeping. I'm really just taking in the, the, all these Halloween vibes. I like every time I see Halloween decorations in someone's yard, it makes me happy. I don't know. Totally S- same thing. I, I took uh, my daughter for a walk around the neighborhood today to hope to calm her down. And the leaves in the Midwest are also pretty gorgeous. You know, you got your reds, your yellows, and then everything's falling. And then the Halloween decorations in the neighborhood, it's so much better, I think, out here than it was where I grew up in California. I don't remember it that much back there, but here there's spiders and um, other scary political signs. Um, it was, it's just super cool. I love it. And it, it, it rained all morning. So it's just that dampness of October. I love it. I'm so into this season right now. Absolutely. Me too. Uh, man, and this is quite an episode to be digging into before we begin, as always, you know, we want to ask you guys to, uh, continue to contribute to the conversation at facebook.com slash this American horror story, continue to, um, you know, send us emails with your thoughts and questions at this American horror story at gmail.com and, you know, Send us send us uh, Facebook messages to you know however you want to interact. We we've been enjoying this season so much. This rewatch of American Horror Story Murder House, um, kind of you know some things I feel like we remember pretty clearly. Other things are like a surprise to me again because it's been 
10 years. Uh, so I've really been enjoying those aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this particular episode, um, I'm going to dive right into it because we already we already discussed our drinks in the preview. Yeah, <laughs> um, we're talking about an episode that I think we've kind of been predicting uh, for a while now, or at least clearly the Pigman has resonated in our memories because um, I think you and I both mentioned it on previous episodes, and I don't know that I remembered that it was right here about midway through the season. Remember, this season was 13 episodes, and this is episode six, so it's uh, you know almost to our midway. I thought we have 12 episodes in this season. I think it's 12. Oh, oh, is it 12? I thought it was 13 at one point. Maybe you're right. Maybe it was 12. So I guess this is exactly the midpoint. Um, But yes, this episode is titled Piggy Piggy. Um, It was directed by Michael Uppendahl, who I think only did a couple American Horror Story episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was written by Jessica Scharzer, who who wrote a couple American Horror Story episodes and was also like a... I think she was a producer of some kind as well. Um, but I'm excited to talk about it because this is one that we have been, um, at least in my particular case, it's like the one I was kind of um, looming in the back of my mind when I thought about American Horror Story Murder House. So uh, obviously the cold open is the most prolific, I don't even know the best way to describe it, um, seen from this particular episode. Do you want to take us through exactly what we see? Yeah, um, it's a lot to handle. Yeah. <laughs> um... So essentially we have another flashback. It's 1994 and there uh, there's a SWAT team that shows up at Murder House and Constance opens the door uh, and they're asking if Tate lives there and she says yes and if he's home. Um, and then we kind of get another flashback before that a couple hours earlier, earlier I'm assuming, um, where we're in the library at a high school, I believe it's Westfield High School. And um, there's a teacher, the librarian there, uh, with the five students. And we recognize these five students who are all kind of um, doing things in the library as the five students, the five ghosts that uh, Violet and Tate encountered on the beach and then back at Murder House later that evening on Halloween. Um, they're each kind of doing their thing, uh, but they're very recognizable. So all of a sudden you hear some shots happening uh, outside of the library, and they... Uh, the guy with the, um, sorry, there's only four students there because the fifth one runs in. The guy with the leather jacket, uh, he runs in, uh, locks the door, puts a chair up and says, you know, the, the shooting's going on. Um, and they all sort of freak out and the they all kind of hide in the library from what I remember. Um, and then you, you see a figure kind of come up to the door that's locked and then there's another door that to access the library though and then... Um, someone they're yelling at the girl the goth girl to lock the door but the teacher runs up i believe and and grabs the handle before tate can open the door with the handle uh but then he gets shot through the door falls back and then all the kids kind of go scramble to go hide uh if they're not already in a hiding position uh and this whole sequence here is just it's it's pretty gut-wrenching um there's a lot of tension it's it's scary this is a really scary scene because it's like a real life scary scene it almost doesn't match the it doesn't match the tone of everything else american horror story i feel like uh pretty uh, much for the most part anyway um tate is going around but we don't see his face uh yet um we just see him kind of stalking around as a figure as people are hiding first person he finds is he scares the goth girl and 
fortunately, in a, in a tasteful way, we don't see her actually get shot, but we hear the shot. And every time a student gets shot, the other students, we kind of check in with them real quick and they're freaking out. So um, uh, the goth girl goes first and then um, Tate encounters the guy in the leather jacket and we cut away and he gets shot. Um, and then we have the guy with the glasses um, who ends up his jaw is kind of like completely unhinged and disfigured and spewing blood when he's a ghost. He's actually trying to make a phone call and um, see Tate show up. And um, again, we don't see his face, but we see uh, we hear the shot. And the last two people remaining are um, our jock and our cheerleader, who we've kind of been mostly with as our central person, primarily the cheerleader, who, again, I, I got to give her um, accolades for doing such a fantastic acting job in this. Um, the jock says, this, you know, he, he thinks he can handle the situation and get Tate to knock it off. Um, and he gets up and we just see him from, I believe, um, Tate's perspective. And then we see the gun come up and it's a shotgun, I believe, this time. And uh, then we watch what happens, and he sa he says um, he says I'm I'm being very descriptive on this. He says that's enough, just get out of here. And then from the under the table perspective, from the cheerleader, we hear the shot, and we see him just kind of fly back, and his legs dangle from uh, on top of the table. And that's the point where we see the cheerleader starting to really freak out, and then we even see her pee. Um, she uh, like a little trickle coming out from where she's hiding, uh, and then she says please don't and he we hear the, the we got a cut scene to black and the and the shot goes off because we do know she dies um and then we go right to the credits and i think without a doubt i would say that's the heaviest cold open um that i remember there are some other scenes down the line in other se seasons that are pretty pretty heavy um, I, I think freak show, you know, when the, the kind of a similar situation happens, but that's not, I don't think that's a cold open. This cold open was like, woof, woof. I actually went and was reading a vulture article that was like the top 25 most disturbing scenes from American horror story. And I expected this one to be in the top five. They had it listed mm -hmm. as 15, which I was kind of surprised by. And mm -hmm. I don't know that I agree with that. Um, their number one was, uh, basically, a lot of the events that happen in threads and basement and asylum, you know, that obviously Ugh. those were very disturbing yeah. too. But I think what makes, and I think you really touch on it, what makes this particularly off putting is the fact that it is so real and it is so different from the kind of otherworldly tone of American horror story. Um, you know, it, it fits more in this season than it certainly would in other seasons because other seasons do end up kind of being so surreal in that way. Uh, but it, it does make it, it does distinguish it in that sense that it makes it feel very riveting and um, possible in our world, which we know it is, which I think is what it, what makes it so so dark. Um, just a few other things I noted from here. Uh, you know, this cold open with you were talking about Constance coming to the door and that, that um, the doorbell ringing. And I feel like this season of American Horror Story has trained us to, is like, this Pavlovian signal of dread whenever the doorbell rings. Like, nothing is ever good at the front door. You know what I mean? And that's, that's a really it, good point. It's like, it makes me like, when I hear the doorbell ring, it, like, it makes me twitch, you know? It's like, there's something bad happening outside the house. Um, the other thing that I was going to mention is, did you ever... Well, first of all, interesting that this happens in 1994. So it actually predates the real Columbine, which it was... I think Ryan Murphy even said it was actually based on, which was in 1999, which is kind of interesting. 
um, that it was supposed to happen before that. Um, I would kind of wonder why Ryan Murphy decided to set it then. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know what the real reason behind that was, but the question I had for you is, did you ever see the 2003 Gus Van Sant movie Elephant? No, I didn't. It's about a school shooting and the whole movie. And it's, mm-hmm. it take, um, it's based on the Columbine shootings, but it takes, it takes place at a school in Portland, Oregon, where I'm from originally. And I remember mm-hmm. watching it um, with a friend in my parents' basement uh, around the time it came out. And it was like so, so fucked up that we just, once it was over, we like just sat quietly and like we couldn't even talk through or decompress it. It was just like so utterly disturbing. So I don't necessarily recommend people watch it because it is horrifyingly real. Um, but it was, you get a little bit of a similar vibe from even this scene. Uh, and I, you know, I, I just have in my notes, this scene is, is truly disturbing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, I don't know. It, I, I, it's like, it's hard for me to watch it, even though this is American Horror Story. Um, Glee tried to do something similar uh, regarding a school shooting, I remember, and I saw that. I so I was in high school when Columbine happened and that was just like you know traumatic for obviously Columbine in Colorado and whatnot but for any high school student I think like I remember watching the news and you know it was 1999 I, I was in I was in the middle of high school and in you know all the things that we had to do in high school because of that shooting um still you know sit with me and kind of how fearful you thought you were safe in your school and you know stupid things would happen maybe a kid would bring a knife to school and get suspended or expelled or whatever um but knowing that people could come on campus and just shoot you is crazy um and that just really obviously we know this shifted history um so it's hard for me to watch these um types of shootings and depicted in film or on tv um and not f- uh, try to I, I wrestle with like was this tasteful you know like I, is this supposed to be entertainment um you know and i don't know how like survivors from school shootings how they feel about this type of depiction it's important that we remember and talk about it but you know for our entertainment values it you know done tastefully and right. yeah i just i so i i i never it always it always is hard for me to like appreciate it. I think it was a good tense scene. It kind of reminded me actually of Game of Thrones, where um, uh, Arya Arya is like kind of ducking um, some of the White Walkers in the library. Uh, it's just it's filmed really well. Um, I just think conceptually, it's it's I don't know. I mean, I, I recognize that it's good and it's important that we see this, and it totally gives a different shade of Tate's character. And I remember coming out of this cold open just hating Tate so much totally uh, for doing what he did but anyway well I mean to your point it makes me wonder how many viewers this particular scene in this you know this episode ultimately lost during the first season of American mm-hmm. Horror Story because I know um, even in the Facebook comments I think uh, Bryce mentioned um, on our Facebook page that you know he stopped watching uh, American Horror Story season one, American Horror Story Murder House after this episode, or maybe it was even before this episode, knowing what was coming, and didn't even mm-hmm. return to it until I think Coven because it was like it was so disturbing. Um, mm. So I think it's very possible that it lost a lot of people. I think you know it's a different kind of horror than we come to American Horror Story for typically, and I don't know how I feel about that, um, and I don't know how I feel about you know by the end of this episode we're still 
we're still supposed to feel like Tate's some kind of sympathetic character because he doesn't remember doing exactly. that, which is which is makes is even more bothersome. Um, yeah, yeah. And the other thing I was gonna say is I do wonder whether you know, obviously, so many more school shootings have happened since this you know episode premiered in twenty eleven, and it does make me wonder whether if this premiered now. Um, would would people would would high school kids be desensitized to this kind of stuff? I kind of hope not. I mean, I feel like for me it's still really disturbing. It sounds like for you it still is as well. And I hope we never get desensitized mm-hmm. to this type of stuff. Right. Uh, but I mean, there is obviously we're at a point now where there's more there's more shootings than we can count on both hands. So yeah, I mean, Sandy Hook happened, and that still didn't change anything. Right. So I, I mean, obviously difficult. difficult it's a heavy topic. It, it is a heavy yeah. topic. Um, the, the last question I had for you about the, kind of this thing is, you know, when, when the SWAT team comes in and Tate's on the bed, and we even actually see this when we finally see his face in the library, what are like, what do you think like the, the marks on his face are from? It's almost like scratches of some kind. Well, I think, you know, don't we kind of figure out later on in the season what it was? It's face paint and stuff. I, I know we get more background on it and we even get some yeah. <clears throat> insight into his motives because obviously that's something that Violet is searching for this episode and doesn't get. And I just don't remember exactly now what the particular kind of scratch marks were from. So maybe that's something we'll answer later on. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, yeah, it was top of mind for you. But they don't they don't hint at it or anything in this episode, right? It's just like left as a mystery. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think we see later on what it is. So I won't spoil that. Well, so once we're into the actual meat of this episode, I'm going to divide it kind of the Violet Tate section. Then we'll have kind of Vivian and Ben sections. Okay. Um, but let's talk about Violet and Tate because obviously after the cold open, that's the most prominent. And it's really, I think, the driving force of this particular episode. Uh, you know, Violet is researching Westfield High on her computer. This She's was, Googling. Yeah, this was prompted by, obviously, the high school kids telling her about the Westfield. You don't know about the Westfield High Massacre. I mean, this is her school, and there's a plaque in the library, and she hadn't heard of this. So clearly she hasn't been fully uh, present as to... This is her school, right? I know. I don't think she goes... I don't think she goes to that school. Oh, okay. Because when she shows up at the library, he's like, it's either freshmen who show up or, you know, looky-loos. I get a couple of you a year. And I think it's because she doesn't go there because otherwise she would have been in there and she would have heard about the massacre if she went to that high school. <laughs> that's, right? what, that's what I thought. That makes a lot yeah. more sense because yeah. I was like, how could she go to the school and not know what happened? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so she's learning about things. A couple things to note about this particular scene where she's Googling is, mm-hmm. you know, I was reading online that there's a lot of confusion in like the American Horror Story wiki and an American Horror Story lore about this because in the actual article she's looking, it says that there's two shooters. And there's some of the, but apparently, mm. apparently some of the verbiage is like exactly pulled from Columbine. And so it's very like, and I don't think wow. Ryan Murphy's ever been completely candid with this, so it's hard to tell whether or not there's actually an insinuation that there was other other people involved, or whether it's just trying to evoke kind of the horror of you know. I, I don't want to even say like an homage to Columbine because that sounds awful, but you you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right. Um, you know, and as as Violet is coming to this realization i mean there's a couple quick reveals obviously the first reveal for her is that you know tate is a serial killer second reveal that she quickly gets as she joins constance in the kitchen is that tate is dead um yeah finally someone one of the Harmons like actually like is grappling with the reality that 
there are ghosts in this house. Right. Uh, and Constance's position is that the house did it to him. Now, I think, again, we'll, we'll mm-hmm. find out from later on, you know, was is he provoked to this in a, from a certain circumstances, or, or is it the house? Because obviously we do know the house does dark things to people, as it did to um, Ben Harmon. Right? Everyone who's and, lived there. And Larry yeah. and, and everyone else who's lived there. So it's... It is hard to say. Um, but in this episode, we get our first intro to Billy Dean Howard, uh, Sarah Paulson's Woo-hoo. first appearance in American Horror Story. Um, you know, she's a medium who Constance found on Craigslist. <laughs> uh, also, kind she's of, real. She is. And also kind of funny that she, she says here, I just came from a meeting at Lifetime, which we know uh, gets reprised <laughs> later on um, in American Horror Story Hotel when Iris brings her to uh, <laughs> the hotel to connect with, with the ghosts happening there. Um, and of course, she also appears very briefly in Apocalypse, I think, too, although... I think it was more of a cameo than an actual function from that character. Yeah. Uh, I thought that this exchange when we have Violet and Constance and, I mean, the rapport between Sarah Paulson and Jessica Lange is just so good in this scene. There's like so many lines back and forth between them that it it made me miss, for, well, of course, miss Jessica Lange from current seasons, but even Sarah Paulson from the most recent one. But it, it just also made me remember like how good they are together. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the lines I, I wrote down is, is like uh, I think Constance had a line about you know it's hard to get good help <laughs> and like but you, you, when knowing what she did to Moira it kind of it, it's unsettling but it's also funny and then you know Sarah Paulson has the line about her only dream was unseating Charlotte Whitney as president of her book club <laughs> before she became a medium because <laughs> the medium powers yep. just called to her um, but we learn in this scene some good backstory that Billy explains Tate doesn't even know he's dead. So this is how we kind of get, uh, you know, more background on things that have happened in past episodes. That's why, you know, Tate has these intense talk therapy sessions with Ben. Constance wants Ben to help him see the truth. Um, I do wonder a little bit how true that is because, I mean, I believe that Tate hasn't fully comprehended what he's done because our inter- our scenes with him and the in the ghosts and stuff like that you know um on the beach do indicate that but also it does make the interaction between constance and moira and tate a little bit strange that they would mm-hmm. they would all be kind of doing teamwork to get tate to see ben again do you know what i mean yeah well i mean i think it's clear that constance always has some ulterior motives um this is may maybe the reason she's presenting to violet as why the Harmons need to stay and i think there's maybe some truth to it but i think at the end of this episode we also learned there's another motive which is she wants that baby to stick around um so yes i think she would like tate to possibly cross over and but I think, you know, yeah, we have some other reasons that that uh, Constance would want those Harmons to not necessarily move out so quickly. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think both things can be true at the same time. Um, you know, later this episode, we see Violet cutting her arm and she envisions cutting her own throat because she's so confused about what's real and what's not. And if she, if she kills herself, I think, is she going to be a ghost and just be right there? Um You know, uh, spoiler alert for future episodes, I think we could call this... Uh, Chekhov's gun and a little bit of, you know, we have a little bit of foreshadowing happening here, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and she has the moment where she stumbles into Ben's office crying, talking about the darkness having her. Clearly she's going through some things and cannot cannot deal with being in love. 
I think I think what she's really trying to reconcile is her her strong you know emotional feelings for somebody who's done something so deplorable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I can't. Right. Even, I mean, imagine. I mean, there's real people that have these kind of moments, and I can't even yeah. imagine what that's like. So I mean, it it gives you some sympathy for that character. Yeah, yeah, that, and he's a ghost, also. Well, that too, and then she, she still. I mean, it's, it's almost like the supernatural part is just secondary to all this too. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it, that would be She's a lot. Cool with that part. A lot to take in at one time. <laughs> um, you know, she reconnects with that kind of shitty girl who wanted cocaine and got scared by the infantata down in the basement. Um, and really, the that girl kind of goes into this whole Prince of Darkness story, and more than anything, this struck me. You know, in retrospect, as a prophecy for. Michael, um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and American Horror Story Apocalypse than anything else. And then, of course, she also scores some pills. Yeah, this girl knew the book of Revelation, I guess, pretty well. She's like, you, haven't you read it? No. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's pretty much setting up Apocalypse and also giving us some some hints about what could come down the line in their house. Well, and I think we're getting more and more hints about the type of situation happening in, in Vivian's womb, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then, of course, we get the scene that you're, you're talking about, uh, you talked about previously, where Violet's wandering through the library. Um, she relives the massacre with that teacher who was shot and trying to get to the bottom of, like, you know, why Tate did this? Because I think, I think that's where her disparity is, is it's like... She feels like she knows him. She feels like he's a caring person. He's helped her out of a number of scrapes at this point in time. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, he's fucked yep. up, but it doesn't, you know, what in him provoked him to do something so terrible? Um, and, and the kind of, I mean, she kind of gets written off by the teacher in the wheelchair. He's like, sometimes there's not a, like, maybe sometimes you're just a bad person, I think is like, yeah, sometimes this. people just aren't good. Yeah, exactly. And you can't like live your life because he gives the he gives the example of like one inch this way I'd be walking one inch this way I would be dead and here I am so you can't sit around and try to figure out why things happen when sometimes you just don't know it's just some the way things are yeah maybe I guess the message he's trying to convey is not everything happens for a a real cut and dry it's reason random or yeah or, yeah mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. and then you know Violet is is looking for Tate um, and she goes into the basement and she sees all the different spirits down there uh, including the ones that Tate killed who robbed the house um, and I, yeah. think, I mean she's kind of having just this like nightmare of everything it feels like she's losing it um, she kind of stumbles up the stairs and sees you know the I love you scrawled on the chalkboard and it prompts her to just eat a whole load of that pills and then we get like I don't know another another quite disturbing scene where Tate drags her to the bathroom makes her vomit you know, she's crying in the tub as, as he kisses her on, on the side of the head. It's like, I don't even know what, what really to, to do with that. Um, clearly his attraction, like, his attraction to her is unhealthy, but, like, he did... Well, and I think, you know, she's dealing with that, too. It's like, he saved me again. He's, he's saved me multiple times. How do I, you know, deal with his his good actions with... Mm-hmm. How do I reconcile that with what he did? It's It's just something that escapes her. I wonder if he had known at this point that he was dead, would he have allowed her to die so she could be stuck with him forever? I think that's a good point. The other question I wondered, too, is if Violet is realizing that those who die in the house get stuck there, did, you know, by taking mm-hmm. the, I mean, by taking the pills, did she realize she would probably get stuck there, too? Um, or was that not even conscientious? She was just so... 
messed up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think she's just so messed up. I don't know if she knows all the rules yet. She just she just learned rule one that or uh, situation one, which is ghosts are there. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe she's because of the downstairs in the basement getting bombarded by all the ghosts, including the most recent ones um, of the people who died there. Because um, I don't know, if she knows all the backstory behind some of those other. Oh, she does know some of them. Tate told her about the Montgomerys, um, so she she. I bet I don't know. If she knows what they look like. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and, and the murderers. Well, not the murderers. Sorry, the the people that broke in the house. I think told her the story of the nurse and the. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So she. Yeah. So she maybe she's figuring that out. And well, well, know, the the, the two little twins though, she wouldn't know the story of them. Yeah, that's so. true. Yeah. Um, so we'll return to talk about kind of the very end couple scenes with, with Violet and Tate later. Um, now I want to talk a little bit about Vivian, you know, she's mm-hmm. having weird baby dreams. Um, that, that scene where she's like <laughs> playing the cello. Yeah. The cello's in the background. It's the cello, so you were right. Yeah. 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 Um, kind of a gross scene. <laughs> um, but she reminds, yeah, go ahead. Does it reminds me of, um, uh, a new nightmare Wes Craven's uh movie where um and no sorry also they do in the new one but they also do it in the first uh Friday or god damn it um Nightmare on Elm Street where um Freddy's uh claws come out of the bathtub kind of and you can see that and he also presses his head I can't remember which nightmare film it was but he presses his film up or uh head up to the wall behind her bed and his face presses through like it's like elastic so you can kind of see the baby moving clawing hoofing underneath her skin in her stomach but it's just a dream uh, yeah um i mean yes so uh, disturbing dream also sorry. S- sorry real quick that's real like when a woman is that pregnant you can definitely see like pokes and pushes I uh, like from the uterus to the stomach. It's nuts. It's Ugh. really exciting, but it's also like ah. <laughs> uh, exciting is one. I don't think it. it's. It, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think the like the actual like devil hooves are that like you can't see like fingerprints, but like yeah, you can see like pushes and movement. Anyway, yeah. Um, but obviously, she wakes up and she takes her ring off and. Uh, puts it next to her life alert button and we quickly like <laughs> i'm gonna call it her life alert button. <laughs> but we i love you calling it life like she's 68 and like she's gonna fall on the head or break her head yeah but we quickly we quickly learn why because she we know we already kind of knew she had the hots for luke so clearly she was having this weird that she would have it immediately after this dream but she has her thought in the head that like i'm gonna tell luke that i'm single now so you know she calls him for no good reason other than to like have him look around the house and you know, he kind of tells her that he has experience with infidelity too, and they kind of start like it's too bad. I feel like uh, again, I feel like in my mind, I don't remember this really becoming something, I, and I wish it did because I feel like Luke's such a good guy. <laughs> he would be, yeah. I mean, I agree. I'm like, I don't remember this much Morris Chestnut in, in <laughs> season one. I didn't remember him at all, to be honest. But um, yeah, they 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 do have some heavy suggestive flirting i think because it doesn't really become anything which is too bad because morris chestnut is a stud um yeah he's great but you know the one thing when ben comes into the house and he's talking about this that like neither one of them seems alarmed enough by is when luke explains that hayden didn't make oh, yeah, it by the police way. station <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and vivian just kind of seems way. like she just kind of shrugs it off and it's like the woman who was like in your house with a glass shard who ha- is having your ex-husband's baby I mean, maybe she just thinks that now Ben's out of the house, that Hayden wouldn't bother her anymore, but it seems like she should be a little bit more disturbed by this. 
Luke also also should have called him immediately after he did not have her in the car, saying, "Hey, by the way, she might come back to the house because I don't have her in the car." Yeah, seriously, I don't think that's a PS, but <laughs> you know, this, yeah, this security uh, co- uh, company's not very responsible. But he did get sensitivity training. He, he did. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, so Constance shows up with. Um, organ meat basically uh because and i looked this up apparently organ meat actually is supposed to be good for babies that might be like old wives tale stuff but there are actual like healthline and shit articles about how you should eat organ meat when you're pregnant so uh, you know i don't know how many people are actually doing that these days but it seems like you know a a thing um there's another little (laughs) battle go ahead as like one of my favorite quotes in this whole episode is for the baby for the baby. Maura says it like two or three times. For the baby. Yeah. She's like, all right, for the baby. I don't know. Yeah. So if I dressed up as Maura for Halloween, I would have like like funny treats on a tray, like little candy brains or something. I don't know. I'd be like, for the baby. Well, and yeah, and like Vivian is a su- surprisingly willing to just go for it with this stuff. Um, yeah. Like really, well, it's organic. So Yeah, exactly. It seems like she doesn't take much to get manipulated. Um, yeah. Interesting backstory or like just background info that Constance drops here is that every time Vivian is leaving the house, she's getting morning sickness, uh, mm-hmm. which I mean, it kind of fits with like what we were talking about before about like the house she needs to stay in the, like it's almost like the baby needs to be incubated within the house, um, which was hinted at previously, like when Vivian was bleeding on the tour and ran back inside and it stopped suddenly you know what i mean although she seems to be able to like every so often go out for a doctor's appointment maybe she's going out for something yeah. baby related it's okay but if she's just outside the house for another reason it doesn't happen um but yeah the baby needs the the, the evil house um which we later learn in a future episode is a hellmouth, i believe um maybe it needs to be incubated in the hellmouth. um that that was the term right Hellmouth. i believe so yeah um you know, there, there's some lines here, though, that they're talking about Violet. You know, sometimes children going through transition just need alone time. Um, we need another sweet child around here. I mean, they're talking about Addie a little bit, too. But there's real yeah. hard foreshadowing going on here as well. I'm so glad you picked up on that. I did, too, including the first, like, thing Constance says about, you know, after they said, you know, you know. Also, Vivian be like, I mean, need to call you to, talk, uh, to send my condolences about Addie. It's a little, you know. I don't know how much time has passed, but anyway. A little offhand, yeah. Um, your neighbor's daughter yeah. died out in front of your house. She does, right. But she says, how, Constance asks her, how's your other baby? Um, she was such a dear, sweet child and such a comfort to me when Addie passed. I was like, that's an interesting phrasing to use. Um, and then also, uh, well, sometimes children going through transition need alone time. Um, transition, you could interpret it as, you know, dad moving out or something else maybe coming down the line mm-hmm. um so yeah i immediately clicked on that uh, moment in that la- and that the language that was used in that conversation i think is very um, um suggestive of uh, what might come it is once constance leaves to moira says a line to vivian that i was wondering what you made of that yeah. she says something like you know dr Harmon, people like dr Harmon, you know he'll cheat again if he's given the chance why do you think she's telling him telling her this like I, I was trying to understand what moira's motives are here does she just legitimately just I, like not you know she just she really realized that ben is just like a sex addict and shouldn't be around or 
I think she's seen enough of it in the house. I think she's seen Ben. I think she's seen um, Patrick. Uh, but primarily, I think she's talking about Constance's husband um, uh, cheating, constantly trying to cheat on Constance with Moira back in the day. And that's and why and the reason sole reason why she's stuck. I mean, Constance, I guess, technically is the reason because Constance killed Moira at the house. But um, she wouldn't have died if her Constance's husband hadn't been such an asshole and, const- and kept cheating on Constance with Moira or trying to. And I think it maybe was only twice, but she's like, once once it happens, it won't stop. Right. So I, she's coming from a place of experience. She is. And I mean, a little bit later in the episode, you know, Vivian is, tries to fire Moira, but of course she, she says she'll work for free because we know she can't go anywhere else. She's stuck there. Right. Anyway. <laughs> um, but she yeah. is so dedicated to nursing the baby. Like you were saying, for the mm-hmm. baby, for the baby. She delivers whatever brains those are. I don't, uh, I, I mean. I'm assuming it's all pork because, you know, that's what Constance said she, her mom used to do. And then Piggy is, Piggy Piggy's the name of the episode so i assume it's a it's a pig brain yeah um but i mean kind of a nasty scene when we see <laughs> vivian just like all right and she just goes to salt little town on it little salt little pepper little lemon juice you know and there's a little parsley on it that's cute <laughs> yeah she really she, to see. she really dives in um but yeah unclear at this point why moira is so dedicated to the baby too other than maybe you know there is a part of her that's still possessed by the house and obviously the house wants to see the baby grow mm-hmm. um, another thing i just wanted to note from the scene where they go to the doctor to get the injections um this doctor says some like very weirdly inappropriate things like when the doctor has a line like of course he should be here he's the daddy when <laughs> when ben steps in it's just like not cool stuff in you know at least in 2020 yeah, I I remember thinking like if a doctor talked to me like that, um, the only time I was ever kind of like told things like that throughout the process when I was having a kid was after delivery, when the nurses would be like, "Dad, go do this. Dad, go do this," because you know the mom is literally just had a major thing happen to her body. So, um, but the the um, procedure that 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 Vivian had done amniocentesis is a thing that you can opt for. Um, and it does test for things like Down syndrome, um, any genetic issues that might come up. Um, so that's what they're hoping for. will tell them something about what's wrong. Um, I, I, I don't know how far along Vivian is supposed to be at this point. She looks a little big to be having the test. Because um, I think there's, I can't remember, I think there's a certain window. But anyway, but it is a real thing that they're getting done. But we also know that, like, in weeks, she's actually not that far along versus yeah. how big she is because of the abnormal growth of the baby. Um, and also, we do know that this is something she's concerned about, something being wrong with the baby, because, you know, she's preoccupied with the fact that the nurse fainted while doing the ultrasound when they came before. Um, and, of course, she tracks that nurse down in this episode at the church, and the the nurse, <laughs> like, really freaks out. I saw the unclean thing, yeah. the plague of nations, the beast, there's hooves. Um uh, you know, and basically Vivian dismisses her as a crackpot, but uh, she should have listened. She should, she should have. She should have. Um, now let's talk about Ben's storyline a little bit, and of course his interactions with uh, Derek, aka Erica Stone Street here. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben is forced, of course, to keep doing psychotherapy out of his house because he has no money. The family needs the money. We need the money. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, funny enough, if it was COVID times, he could have just telehealthed from his hotel room. But, you know, seeing being as right. people, there's an expectation from patients that you meet them in person. So he's back to his office in the murder house. Um, his new... I, go ahead. Before, as one thing, he kind of has to, like, argue to keep that space. But, he really, you know, they're still, even though they're broken up, they're still married. And they still have all their money tied together in this house. Um, and I think an interesting thing that Vivian says in this, when she says, fine, you can, you can practice here. Um, and once this baby's here, you can still be a father because he's like, she tells him like, that's the only good thing he is, is, is good at is being a dad. Um, Deba- which I'll say de- debatable. Else. I don't, I don't know if I agree. Yeah. With that, but. <laughs> I know. Well, um, I was reading a review on, I think AV club did it. Um, and like, the, the the conversation that she has here is just the most boilerplate like i'm breaking up with you here's the rules from a wife to a husband who's just been kicked out there's like not a lot going on and like but you can still see the kids because i think you're a good dad and you can use your office but we are done we are not seeing each other anymore you will not be in my life i will be civil to you and that's it it's just like so devoid of any like yeah I don't know, character or nuance or whatever. <laughs> it's like she read it in a self-help book or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. But yeah, uh, I call this the case of the week. Yes. Which is often how uh, serialized stories, uh, TV shows go. Right. And we, we of course, have uh, Eric Stone Street, who, uh, very funny at this, I remember thinking when I saw this the first time, what a distinctly different character this is from his character from Modern Family. Modern Family, um, Yeah. <laughs> You know, because it was, I think it was not that long after Modern Family just came out that, I mean, maybe it was a couple of years or something, but. It, it was, yeah, it was a couple of years because I do remember thinking like, wait, th- this is Cam from Modern Family? Yeah. Um, and, you know, Derek is afraid of urban legends, terrified, can't have a life mm-hmm. because of urban legends, not afraid of anything else, just urban legends. Um, now, a couple of interesting things here. I was reading some articles online. There's, so you'll remember that there was a pig, piggy man in Roanoke. Um, and there's been a lot of, I think, deep dives online into whether or not these characters are actually related to each other at all. Um, apparently, they have similar origin stories in how they're told from Derek here and from Finn Wittrock's character in Roanoke. Uh, but key details are different and really they're not, I, I guess there's, it basically it's unclear whether or not they're actually supposed to be the same person. But maybe it's just because it's an urban myth, you know, that the tale morphs mm-hmm. with whoever whoever's telling it. So it's kind of, it's clearly something they revisited in a later season. But Eric Stone Street's Piggy Man was a butcher at the 1983 World's Fair, which is interesting in that um, this serial killer was also at the 1983 World's Fair. Um, did you ever read the book Devil in the White City? I did, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, of course, uh, there's another famous, a real-life famous serial killer who was at the 1893 World's Fair, and that was H.H. H. Holmes, who had a, basically like a boarding house, a hotel where he would kill people. And I think he had like an incinerator in his basement where he would burn their bodies. Um, so, you know, it, there's some, some truth to there being a murderer at the World's Fair. Um, and so, you know, Derek is telling the story. He's really passionate about it. Obviously, he's really scared of it. My question for you is like, why is Ben's vision tunneling in this scene again? Because he's not drugged on coffee like he was before with, uh, you know, uh, Adina Porter's character. Yeah, do you mean, like, why is he so set on making him confront his fear? Well, but actually, like, when this scene is filmed, when, like, Ben is listening, there's, like, a weird fog around Eric Stonesby's character. Like, it's like, at first I was like, well, is he falling asleep again? Like, I don't know. Mm. 
I, I, and maybe it's the go. house messing with him. Maybe it's the house messing with him. And like, obviously, you know, there's like this confrontation later where Ben like gets really intense and talks to Derek about conquering his own fears. And he has to like be a man. And, you know, you can't like go through life fearing this thing. You're, by fearing it, you're giving it more power. So it's almost I, like in that particular moment oh, later Lord. in the episode, I also th- I was also thinking that like Ben is talking to himself maybe a little bit too. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, Ben, as a therapist, should recognize projection. Yeah, and he was also just kind of being mean to him. Um, but the so there's there's twice where Derek actually looks in the mirror that we see. The first time, well, mm-hmm. and of course there's the the one in his like vision of his mind. But Ben tries to get him to look in the mirror in that creepy haunted bathroom upstairs where we've already seen terrible stuff happen. Um, I think that's the bathroom that, of course, the nurse was drowned in. And uh, you know. I feel I felt like maybe the nicer thing Ben could have done is like do it with him the first time because he just puts him in this like dark bathroom. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, I mean Derek after two piggy piggies does end up seeing the dead nurse. Um, I a little bit wondered to myself like, well, if he'd said the third one, would would he have shown up? You know, in the murder house, maybe not because the pig man didn't die there. But like, yeah, they throw that line in that it was only after two piggies. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then he goes through more therapy with Ben, and then finally back at home, Derek like feels like he's finally gonna do it he's finally like lived up to you know his fears he does the here piggy piggy three times in the mirror and he gets murdered by burglars um the guy in the shower uh, my question for you is like what what was the message here like supposed to be <laughs> is there a moral i don't uh... i i know it was so it's so it's kind of frustrating that like these two burglars are responsible for his murder and we never they have nothing to do with the story we've never met them before there, there's nothing hinted at that that was an issue in his neighborhood or his house there's no reason that that's how he should have died um and we've already had so many home invasions that i'm kind of sick of that at this point um it was i i feel like the writing slipped here i i, I thought it was kind of not thought out and stupid <laughs> what did you think it felt to me like maybe they were just trying to continue making the point that like ben is a shitty therapist and so no no patient that he mm. advises does it ever go the way he plans um but it is kind of, i mean it's pretty i felt i don't know about you i felt bad for derek and he was finally about to conquer his fear so it's kind of a yeah i mean eric eric Street did a good job selling derek is like you know you feel bad for the guy even when yeah ben's like you next time you come here shave dude yeah come on don't be a dick. Yeah, it's not like you're the model of good behavior, but um, no. So that was kind of a also. He looks pretty clean shaven, but anyway. Yeah, whatever. he's got a little, he's a little bit of tasteful scruff. That's that's totally the style. Yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's 2011. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so that I mean, I agree with you that I feel like the way that storyline ended, it's like, what was the point really? Um, yeah, n- not clear to me. I, if someone who's listening has a more um clear idea of what the moral of this particular storyline was i would definitely love to hear it because i feel like this 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 one frustrated me a little bit so let's talk about kind of the the final few uh scenes in the episode you know constance wants billy's help talking to Addie in the afterlife um and here we we get a real emotional constance she apologizes she expresses pride in Addie. she admires her she thinks she's beautiful. Um, for you, was this like a moment of redemption for Constance and considering how she treated Addie? 
sort of i mean jessica lang sells it it's so great um just seeing her connect like that i do think deep down that is how constance feels is it enough to redeem her for how horribly she treated addy no um but it does put her in a better position in my eyes um than she was before and including when she was trying to drag you know it all started when she started you know halloween when she i don't know she's she constance handles things not well at all raising addy but i think there is true love for her daughter there and she got to express that and say some things that she should have said when Addie was alive. Well, and Addie thanks her for not dragging her into the house without a. I mean, but let us not forget, mm-hmm. Constance tried to drag her to the house and she just happened yeah, to die before. Did. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, but I think they were also making a commentary about like Addie being afraid of of Tate. Like, I don't know if Addie had yeah she, just realized what Tate right, did. Addie didn't or, know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess she didn't know until in death she found out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we get, you know, the final couple scenes of Tate. We see Tate's death scene where he basically provokes them to shoot him. And we never really get an answer to the question, in this episode at least, we don't get the answer to the question, why did he do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we, you know, we have the, the, the end scene where Violet's reading the book about birds that Tate had once checked out, so clearly she still feels a connection to him, is trying to, like, understand why, like, this quiet kid who liked books and read about birds would do something so horrible... Um, and he comes in and he's like, he clearly does still doesn't, even after the Halloween night experiences, he still can't comprehend like why, you know, what he did basically. It, it seems to me mm-hmm. he still doesn't, he still doesn't know. Um, you know, he, he, he again expresses all the love in the world for her. You know, he'll leave her alone if she wants, um, because he cares about her more than anything. Um, and then they, you know, she kind of accepts him back and they, are tired together and, and cuddle on the bed. And that's the way this episode ends. Uh, mm-hmm. It's tragic, I guess. Uh, you know, uh, you don't know how to feel about it. Um, because that is such a gripping opening scene, you know, other than I guess the, you know, the way I feel at the end of it is like clearly Tate had severe, severe issues that uh, cer- yeah. certainly Ben Harmon is not equipped to treat. <laughs> No, and if and if you know Constance is trying to say the house made him do it, should we be more forgiving of mm-hmm. him? Yeah, yeah. Um, and is that what you know, uh, Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk are trying to say about a high school shooter? Like, you know, they there's some evil force that's kind of dictating them in a way or manipulating them and you know whether that's obviously it's not an actual evil house but some figurative evilness in their family or whatever that's kind of pushing them to do these things probably true for sure i don't know it's 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 interesting but to end in this position where violet kind of accepts him um i don't know i'm like dude you know and i guess it's a testament also to evan peters being a really good actor and like he really just lays it out there like i love you and then you believe him Mm -hmm, like you mm -hmm. know and we know, but we also know he did this horrible thing and like destroyed, you know, a dozen or so other people's lives by killing them. It's well, and not to mention all the tra- all the you. trauma from the people who survived. You know, mm-hmm. um, right. So I guess this brings me to you know, what your what is your review of this episode after all that? Yeah, um, you know, so the main not a lot happened. If we look at the bigger 
like storyline, not a lot happened. We got Tate's background. Um, we got Ben Harmon doing nothing. Uh, Vivian not really doing much either. Although I remember there was one point where I think when Vivian comes back and she's going to Moira before Moira cooks up the brain or serves her the brain. And she says, Moira, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. And Moira, without skipping a beat, says, you lost the baby. <laughs> I don't know why I laughed so hard at that. And she's like, no, no, uh, we can't afford to keep you. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. Why. I just, it was so funny. Um, it, that's such a, I feel like a Ryan Murphy line, you know. Anyway, just going to, like, going immediately to 100. Um, so I, I don't think a lot happened in this episode. We did get a lot of heavy stuff with Tate's backstory, which I still wrestle with 10 years later after watching this. Um, all the other characters don't do a ton. I guess we've learned a little bit more about uh, motivations or what we think might be motivations. And you and I both know that there are some things that actually happen in this episode that are just not revealed to be um, uh, significant things for the storyline just yet. Um, but if I was just grading this off of watching it, I would give it 3.75 or 4. I'm kind of right in that range. Um, I would say I would say 4 because I was still entertained. And the Jessica Lange scene, scene with uh, her kind of trying to reconcile with Addie I thought was, was pretty good. And it was just awesome to see Billy Dean and her uh, and Constance go back and forth. Um, so I, I'll go with 4. Mm-hmm. What, what do you give it? I'm with you on some of the really good acting that's in this episode from certainly Constance. I mean, like I said, great to see her interact with Billy Dean. Uh, so fun to have Sarah Paulson there. Love that. Um, I thought Eric Stone Street did a really good job as Derek. That was a fun little cameo. Uh, and I do think Evan Peters was really strong. Um, I thought Violet was pretty good. I thought that uh, mm-hmm. Teresa Formiga was pretty good. Um, yeah. There, there, there's some good, strong acting going all around. And even, you know, Francis Conroy's line's too terrific. Um but I agree with you that I have some issues with this particular episode, more so than some of the past episodes. The the, the ending of the Piggy Piggy storyline is very frustrating to me because it doesn't... It, <laughs> it just seems like what we just made this a bummer for the hell of it. <laughs> um, like, I don't know. that It's not even horror, really. It's just, like, sad. And that kind of pisses me off a little bit. Um, and I... I'm really wrestling with kind of like what you were saying before, whether or not the shooting scene was worth it, whether it was done tastefully, like you said, Um, whether that's a cheap, almost, um, I mean, do we even really call that horror? You know, it's, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a definitely disturbing scene. And while it is well done, it's a disturbing scene. Um, so I am I'm just kind of iffy on it. And, and you're right. And in some ways, this episode spins its wheels a little bit, except it, it gives us a little bit of backstory. Um, and, I mean, and we get some good motivations, too, of obviously constant similar, you know, becoming more obsessed with the baby and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, T- Tate and Violet are the primary part of the episode. I think just because, you know, I want to be honest in, in my reviews of this season and we've been really positive so far, I think I'm going to give it three and a half just because, okay, you know, standing compared to past episodes, I think I have some major problems with it based on that. Um, 
I don't know. So that's where I'm at. So I think that put. Did you say you said four, right? So that puts us at seven and a half. Yeah. Still not bad, but I, yeah. but I think compared to the standard that this season has had so far, that's kind of where we're. I don't know where I feel like. Yeah. We're this is a lower one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm interested to like. What's funny is in my memory, like, I don't. I'm thinking. I was thinking to myself after this, like, I don't really remember what happens in six more episodes. Like, I, I know, like, I a know. couple broad strokes, well, but yeah. it feels like it could be crammed into one episode. So I'm like, there's going to be some things happening that I don't remember. Yeah, which I'm excited for. Like a lot of, yeah, for sure. Like, what's going to happen next? I mean, the only thing storyline I can think of lingering sort of is the birth of this baby, and everything else is kind of just like things are happening. Like Tate and Violet are like, you know, will they? Won't they? <laughs> um. And then the Ross and Rachel. <laughs> um, Some more Larry stuff. And then, background on Larry. I don't know. Ben, I don't really care about anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Larry, he'll pop it in. But like, I forgot about your storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how the second half of the season holds up compared to that. Now, yeah, mm-hmm. now that we've kind of gone through most of the things I remember from this season. So, right. Uh, that being said, I guess I'm looking forward to next week and we'll have an episode right before that Halloween, which will be kind of fun. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, uh, between now and next week, Chris, where can people find you? I'm on Instagram and Twitter, at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. What about you, Tyler? You can find me on Twitter at And uh, please, you know, go check us out on Facebook. Um, leave your thoughts and theory, you know, theories. At, uh, you know, we have a lot of strong thoughts about this episode. I'm sure you all do, too, so please share them. Uh, facebook.com slash just american horror story you can also message them to us or you can send them to us uh, via email this american horror story at gmail.com we really appreciate that uh, thank you all again for being a part of our american horror story murder house rewatch season um, you can still go ahead and rate us and review us on sites like um well the apple podcast app and stitcher so please go there we really appreciate your feedback and uh, otherwise, I guess, again, thanks for being here. And until next week, happy hauntings.